Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with our host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary is provided by Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right, welcome to Influence Factory, episode 69, broadcasting live from Los Angeles and the Los Angeles Convention Center for the IMCX 2019. IMCX is the Influencer Marketing uh, Conference and Expo. And here we have uh, big brands and we have influencers alike uh, playing side by side and working together uh, to see how they can connect and monetize their influence. So I'm going to just cover some of the sessions. This is a little different than what we normally do. Uh, we have some shortened, uh, condensed uh, coverage today. Uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, sessions that are going on at the same time as our normal broadcast. So what we're going to do is uh, interview some folks while we have them uh, today. I had Shane Barker yesterday. Uh, I had a great conversation with him. Uh, we're going to get him on camera while we have him uh, here during the conference and so many tremendous amount of speakers that it's just like too many to mention. But let's just cover some of the things that we're learning here and some of the things that uh, we're seeing in the uh, influencer space. Now, uh, we know that most of you um, have been through our business influencer development program and you're all influencers. Uh, and what's interesting is there is a a term that's uh, uh, sort of been used in the, uh, I, I always call it the uh, consumer-facing uh, influencer space, the YouTubers, Instagrammers, which are most of the ones that are here. Uh, and they have, and there's entrepreneurs and business owners as well. Um, but um, they like to call themselves creators, okay? So creators means that uh, they are content creators, which is interesting because we are all in the business influencer space content creators. So they don't want to necessar necessarily be called influencers. And as we study this, um, in my workshop tomorrow, I'm delivering that there's four le levels of uh, influencers. Uh, there's mega influencer, there's macro influencer, there's micro, and there's nano. And that's determined based on the amount of influencers that you have. A, a nano has less than 5,000 followers. Um, a micro has 10,000 or lower. And then uh, above that uh, to uh, a few million, you have your... Um, uh, macro uh, influencers and megas are like the rock and the you know top folks on Instagram and YouTube. Um, so uh, no matter what that looks like, we are primarily focused on the micro influencers, social jack. So I also want to acknowledge that we're also here and sponsored by Snips and Halanis. So um, uh, we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Uh, they have pretty much of a big impact here at the show as well. So we heard from... Um, Ryan Schramm from Isaiah, uh, the state of the influencer economy. And so this influencer economy is sort of a new uh, perspective of how how are people monetizing, uh, you know, the, the influence that they have. And so uh, we're seeing that this is from so many dynamics. And this is so new. You know, we still think that social media is new. But influencer marketing, even though it's been done for the last, you know, couple of decades, if you think about it, you know, uh, it, it was born when uh, people started first holding up a product on television and talking about it when athletes were on a, a Wheaties box, you know, and so things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, in its true sense of the form today, it's still pretty new and, and pretty wild west, if you will. You know, contracts are all over the place. We're hearing that ROIs all over the place. Does that sound familiar? Uh, so, uh, so what's interesting is um, we just uh, sometimes, as much as we know, we also don't know. So we just want to be smart about the influencer space. We want to make sure that we're conscious about it. So whether we're building it from the inside out in our companies, or we're building it on the outside uh, with other relationships, we just want to be conscious that we're measuring the R. And that's all that really matters to most businesses and business owners, as well as influencers. 
they have an ROI too. So, um, so they talked a little bit about, um, you know, they've been doing a, a nine year study and they, they just learned that um, in terms of the way the economy's looking, that it's just starting to get to a level where monetization looks like uh, a real steady thing to them. Now, I disagree. Sorry, Isaiah, I disagree. But um, it, is, uh, it is getting to a point where I think uh, it's still going to shift and it's going to adjust. So what I didn't realize is uh, there's an app that we've talked about out there. It's a video app called TikTok, right? So it was uh, a redesign and a rebuild off of Musical.ly. So it's a very popular app. It's very cool. It's it's very um, popular with uh, younger generation. And uh, what's interesting is I didn't know the highest usage uh, was from... Uh, eight years old to 13. So think about that. And they call those kid fluencers. So I sat in on a session yesterday about kid fluencers. So this is where, um, uh, which I found completely fascinated by this. Uh, see if I can find the name on here. Oh yeah, here it is, the Ryzen uh, relevance. And so we had a uh, pocket watch in there. We had um, uh, Striga in there. We had uh, viral talent in there. We had uh, oh the business of influence UK there. So, so I just thought this was fascinating because many of us are parents, and they talked about the uh, you know eight to thirteen year olds. And the fact is the it's usually a family business. The parents monitor the page. The parents control the content. The parents control the followers. Uh, the uh, everything is controlled at a certain level. And so as we do that, you know, we find that um, it becomes this family business where all of a sudden contracts and everything like that are all determined through the family. And it's not necessarily originally intended to monetize, but I was staggered by the number that they said 50% of the kids in school, uh, and this seemed like it was in the, uh, based in the UK is the way I understood the study, uh, but they all want to be influencers. So they're influenced already by the other ones that are on the internet, but this TikTok has really helped them accelerate that influence. So you have all kinds of options for uh uh, if you if you want to look it up, it's a it's just a really fun, exciting um, video program. Kate, I know uh, you use it. I've used it. Jackson uses it. So um, there's just a lot of fun you can have with it. But it's just stuff like that where all of a sudden this has come. Uh, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but it's it's evolving so fast. It's almost like we can't get a grasp on it. Um, so, uh, so this was another good session here uh, from Clever where uh, they talked about solving the fake follower program. Now, um, Clever, they're the ones right next to us, right? Yep. So, uh, so Clever is uh, an agency here in L.A., and the CEO spoke, spoke about fake follower. Well, our friends at SNPs also have, uh, have the capability to... Uh, to track a lot of that. And so they run their metrics and they can determine if uh, influencers are uh, using bots, if they're using, if they have too many fake followers, if their uh, engagement is authentic or not engagement. So imagine this. So a lot of times people are getting paid per post. People are getting paid $1,000 a post, $100,000 a post. Is that crazy? Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody called you and said, hey, uh, if you do a post for me, I'll give you a hundred grand, you'd be all over that, right? Of course, you'd need to have the following and the engagement. Well, what they need to do is validate and test the fact that those uh, followers are real and the engagement is real. So uh, it's so tricky today because there's all kinds of uh, uh, bots and programs that you can use to even do comments. Can you imagine comments? So it's like, and you can tell what fake comments look like. You know, the typical ones like, this is great, love it, stuff like that. And uh, what's funny is I'll do that when I'm in a hurry and I'm like, great, I'm going to be a bot now. I'm going to be flagged as a bot because I'm in a hurry. So in this, there's the fake uh, follower problem. So uh, the biggest problem about this is that, um, but I think the good news is there's, uh, there's platforms like SNPs that actually control exactly um, how we can track those fake followers. So uh, I think that is a, that is a big deal uh, and very consistent uh, thing that we need to watch and talk about. And even on the business side, you know, we've dealt uh, 
with this for quite some time on the content. We go in um, and we help our clients um, engage in other people's networks. And this is something that is, uh, it, it is a must do. It is something uh, that helps uh, make sure it's not all about you. The content's not all about you. And so in doing this, um, when we have you go into other people's networks, we have to w make sure we're not automating that. We're not trying to uh, create some sort of automation part of that, but it's actually real, genuine, and authentic. So uh, we want to make sure uh, it always comes across that way. Um, uh, probably one of my favorite sessions was the business to business influencer marketing. So, um, in the business to business influencer marketing, uh, we're at a point where, um, we had IBM and Microsoft. So this is, uh, this is sort of funny. Uh, we had IBM and Microsoft that were in the same session with SAP. Now those are three giant companies, giant companies that are really considered competitors. So, um, so in this, uh, the, uh, here you have uh, three big companies, and they actually were getting along, and IBM was just like basically agreeing with Microsoft. And they're like, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be agreeing with you. Can we make sure that doesn't get published anywhere? So I'm just publishing it here just to give them a hard time. But I think this is a, sort of a cool piece where – uh, we're seeing a new state of the union uh, for brands, for Fortune uh, 100 companies even, where they're collaborating, they're working together, and we're also seeing brands work together. So we just worked on a project with uh, GE uh, Aviation Digital, and GE Aviation Digital works with Microsoft. They work with IBM, and they are collaborating. And what was interesting is when we got into the influencer stuff in there and we're mapping out their network, they're actually looking at, oh, goodness, they have, um, uh, they have uh, these are all partners. And they go, oh, and over here, they're also competitors. And I go, wait a minute. So you're marketing them as competitors and uh and partners. They go, yep. They go, that's just the way this business works. And I said, well, that's interesting because we see that in the influencer business. So we always tell you to influence up, to, to, to upgrade your network and to attach to other influencers because you want to hang out, you want to run in the pack, and you want to be seen by those people. And when you're in that state, when you're in that state, you can literally um, be seen in their network. Now, they're going to have access to your network too, but in most cases, those networks that have a more, more of a following are not going to be coming into your network. Now, one of the biggest tactics that I'm going to talk about uh, tomorrow in the workshop, and this is something that, uh, uh, that, we, um, that we practice and we uh, uh, teach a lot as well, is to uh, make sure that we have... Um, uh, we actually go into other people's network and engage. And I, and I alluded to this earlier, but what that looks like is that looks like um, going into, uh, so let's say you wanted to partner with us. You know, you wanted to uh, grow your network and partner with us. So as a thought leader or influencer, you'd go into the Social Jack network or the Dean Delisle network, and you would seek out some content. Uh, you'd maybe look at my latest activity. This could be on LinkedIn. It could be on Twitter. It could be on Instagram. doesn't matter. You go into some of the latest content and you would go in there and look for relevant content that you could speak to or you could speak with um, and also look for content that has some level of engagement. Then you would go interact with that content and jump into that conversation. And that would be your opportunity to place yourself in that network in front of those people. Um, so hopefully this is all making sense. And so, um, so again, I said this was a, a shortened episode today. You know, this is something where we want to make sure that we get back in and we see some keynotes. Um, it's a very shortened episode. Um, we want to uh, see some keynotes, but let me just cover some of the other sessions that we're going to be, uh, uh, covering here today. So let's see what we have coming up. We have, here we are. I was on the wrong day. So uh, I mentioned Halanis. Halanis is a, uh, a newer influencer platform. They have a couple hundred uh, thousand influencers on there, uh, fast approaching a million. Um, they, uh, they have it where you can create a holo space. It's like a personalized, and, and any one of you can go up there and download Halanis and uh, check it out. But we're going to have uh, Travis, uh, who, uh, who uh, is the brand manager at Halanis, uh, here with us uh, tomorrow. And we're going to be interviewing him as well. 
And then we also have, um, uh, and his story is pretty unique. So he had this watch company where we, he had colored bands uh, that were for different charities. And so those charity uh, bands were like, you know, if it was for breast cancer, it might be pink and it was for this, it might be that. And it really took off and they were just making these watches as fast as they could. Well, um, he then all of a sudden uh, 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 started to take off and it was all over the Internet and it started to go viral and people were picking it up. Now, he wasn't profitable at this time. It was just really taking off and going viral. He wasn't he was really a brand new entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden. He got picked up by um, the Real World show on uh, MTV, and they asked him to be on the show as himself, as Travis. So he became this uh, this person on the show that was invited, and you know, part of his story. And then next thing you know, Justin Bieber's wearing one of his watches on stage on a, on a music video. Did he get any money from that? No. <laughs> Did he ask Justin for money for that? No. It was just, uh, he was just happy it was on his wrist, but stuff like that. So, uh, we're going to uh, get a more in-depth story about how that transition happened. But one of the things I wanted to point out is that, uh, and then I'll, I'll talk about a couple of these big sessions coming up here today, um, is, uh, I think it's important to understand that wherever you're at today, doesn't mean that's where you're going to be at tomorrow or forever. Um, so when you're building your influence and your position in the marketplace, it's important that you understand that every single day you're building your personal brand. You're building who you are. You're building your story. So don't ever stop updating your story, who you are, who you're moving toward, who you're becoming. Because someday you might wake up and uh, you might be a little older and you might not be able to be... Uh, that same influencer in that space, or you might sell that influence, just like when a business gets to a certain level, they sell it off. So uh, then you go do something else. So keep building the skills, keep building your story and keep building who you are as an influencer, because I'm telling you what we see is we see chapters. And so uh, some people ride the chapter all the way up and it's related and some people stop and there's a turning point and a pivot. And so we're seeing that with influencers that we have here. Do you remember who the gentleman was um, yesterday that was uh, OG? OG, right? So OG was here. He's uh, 60 years old. He's an influencer. Um, and uh, he's had a few chapters in his life. And he is an uh, influencer, I think, in three channels. And the one that stood out to me was uh, Classic Cars. But um, it just got to a point that he was working a job and he was, he said, what was interesting is he goes, I was tired of uh, trying to be someone else. And he goes, what I discovered is I just lived into myself and lived into who I was and lived into my story. And I really resonated with that. I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't need to be like this influencer over here, this person in my business over here. I just need to be me. And so, um, so it was really interesting to hear him tell that story. And he goes, the minute I decided to do that, he goes, I just found three things that were my passion. And he goes, I decided to own that space. So, um, so I just, uh, I just decided, you know, I was like thinking about that and I was like, oh, so he goes, yeah, I did a whole classic car thing. And he goes, now we do these cross country trips and uh, we record them and they get millions of views and millions of, uh, you know, likes on YouTube and things like that. And he goes, uh, and he goes, it's because I followed my passion. And he goes, it was the one day that my wife came to me and said, hey, listen, why don't you just quit all the other stuff that you're doing and do this? And he goes, yeah, you're right. And he goes, it was that moment that I really started to enjoy life and make money and I really stepped into being an influencer. So maybe there's a message in there for you based on who you are and the influence that you could have. So let's cover a couple of these quick sessions. And then I'm going to run to listen to Dan Fleischman from Elevator Studios. And if you don't know Dan Fleischman, you should follow him. He's actually a part owner of Halanus as well. Um, but uh, a great influencer. And he's going to talk about business in the era of social media. And then... Um, Let's see, we have uh, direct response influencer marketing. So you see how everything's crossing over social media, influencer marketing, direct response, uh, influencer marketing, um, 
And then we have, uh, oh, we just had China and South, uh, South America up talking about influencer marketing there. It is global. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, here. Closing in on artificial intelligence uh, uh, or, or, or on influencer marketing with artificial intelligence. So this is something we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Uh, but we have our own version of artificial intelligence working with influencer marketing. We can't reveal that just yet, uh, but we're going to reveal it in the fall. But we're doing some of it now with some of our clients, and you're going to find out more about that tech. Uh, optimizing YouTube, which I'm hoping, uh, Jackson, I think that'd be a good one for you to sit in on too. Um, let's see. And then we have, which other ones did I like here? And we'll uh, cover some of these in our uh, blog about this. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the architecture of Insta brands. So I'm uh, fascinated about that because I think I might, uh, I, I've rewritten this workshop on Instagram. I have an Instagram influencer workshop that I've been working on for a couple of months, probably about three months in the making. And uh, it's like, I almost can't find enough to talk about or write about in Instagram. I can make this a two day course. It is crazy how much stuff you can expand on in here. Um, and there's one Kate that I think you might like. Uh, it's called Becoming Relevant. How about that? A simple session, two words, Becoming Relevant. Uh, I think that's a brilliant uh, title. And then we have uh, The Future, Part 1, Future, Part 2. I'm here uh, at uh, IMCX in uh, Los Angeles, uh, uh, IMCX 2019 with Alex. And uh, Alex, which company are you with? Uh, hello, I'm Alex, the CEO of Hype Auditor. Uh, a company that sets the standard in Instagram account analytics and has developed the most advanced AI-based fraud detection system. Yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, curious to learn more about that because we, um, we know that, that there's a big problem. In fact, I just uh, did a program talking about how, uh, you know, not, you know, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things or problems we've all known about is the fake followers and things like that. But now there's fake engagement. So how do you detect that? Um, basically, fake engagement is not a new problem like it was always, but uh, for the first day, everyone thinks about the followers. And the problem is uh, real huge, like for the, our last research, uh, it was about 45% uh, of followers that are not real in Instagram. They are basically mass followers, suspicious accounts or bots. And there's a huge, but engagement uh, is not much better. Like two out of five likes uh, in Instagram are not real. Two out of five. Two out of five, like almost wow. 40% likes on Instagram are not real. And uh, we have uh, artificial intelligence technology to detect uh, all this stuff. Uh, it's quite complicated uh, thing, uh, like uh, you check uh, the patterns of behavior of accounts, uh, how often do they do likes, comments, how their profile look like, and they search the patterns. There is an interesting thing that like uh, humans have very different behavior and bots have very same behavior. So if you find 10,000 accounts that do just the same, be sure that will be bots. Human can be like synchronized. Well, I was joking about this because I said, I said um, sometimes when I'm in a hurry, I'll be going, you know, I'll be, you know, in my posts. And I always say, don't be a likeaholic, you know, when you're going in and just like, 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 mm -hmm. like, you know, as a human. And I said, sometimes I'll be go, oh, I love it. Great article. I love it. Great article. And I'll go, shoot, I'm, I'm being a bot. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm worried that I'm going to be detected as a bot, you know? No, no. Uh, in, human behavior is uh, very different, uh, even if you like uh, post very short comments and uh, frequently make likes, uh, you still will have like uh, different frequency, like from the one like to another, you'll have two seconds, three seconds, like five and a half seconds, and the bot will have always like five, 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 or one, 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 one. Uh, and uh, it's uh, like uh, when um, people do something, they can be synchronized, like they can't uh, uh, put exactly the same comments all the time for 10,000 10, profiles. I've seen that out there, yeah. Uh, so, so what else are you seeing out there, you know, like in terms of fraud? Yeah, actually, uh, for now, uh, we see 
two patterns that uh, basically all kinds of engagement uh, can be artificially inflated. Like for the last months, we see this crazy stuff happen with the stories. Like when you have uh, regularly 50 views on the uh, stories and now you get like 300, 500 and you do not know all these people and uh, that's crazy. And all this uh, costs uh, very little amounts of money. So basically all kinds of engagement can be inflated. But for the last months, like Instagram seems to start to doing like at least something. Uh, That's to what I was going to ask you. If fraud. they're taking any level... If you're seeing them take any level of responsibility, because I think that's the problem I had. Um, I did um, I did a lot of episodes on privacy and security and hacking into accounts and things mm -hmm. like that, and it almost seemed like um, there wasn't enough being done by the platforms. Do you see them taking more responsibility? Uh, something started to happen, but what for last months only. Like we've seen that uh, they said new restrictions, like uh, they said the restriction for mass following, and it may be like the first step. Now they have a limit. You can't like make more than 6,000, I think, following uh, a month, and that uh, will be like a huge problem for mass followers. But um, uh, this will make like bots uh, cost more, but the problem will still exist. So there are few uh, few first steps, but uh, for sure they need uh, to do much more to okay. make Instagram clear. It's very far away from the that's, point that's where it, it will feels be clear. Like, yeah. So if you could uh, say a few things to the influencers out there, there is a lot of nano and micro influencers that are still trying to figure it out. What should they what should they stay away from? You know, there's got to be things to like things that are healthy to do and things that are not healthy to do. Uh, it's very not healthy to buy followers and engagement. <laughs> I didn't even think but, people were still yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, what uh, now can harm your account when uh, your uh, Instagram is uh, using popular hashtag geotex because uh, when you use these uh, hashtags in geotex, you bring uh, attention of all these bot and spam programs, and you will receive like a lot of uh, this. Uh, fake followers uh, and uh, fake engagement inside your account and that will make your account look like worse so uh, better think about how to use like the hashtags create something unique uh, and be uh, accurate with the geotext also like if uh, it's not popular place it will be okay but if it's like uh, Times square be sure you will get like a lot of bots from this geotech right so tell us a little bit about what um, what you guys do and then how you help folks. Uh, basically, for influencers, uh, we provide free report. So you can just uh, oh, wow. sign up yeah, and see free report uh, for your account. Uh, you can see all demographics, audience type there. Uh, Does it go in there and detect who's real, who's not? Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, and basically uh, we give an uh, integrated metric, we called it audience quality score, and it's uh, show you, you know, how healthy your account is in general, like how good is your audience is in general, and it's like very easy to understand, uh, and you can track how your activities affect your audience quality score, and uh, track many um, more different metrics, so it can be quite useful to like... Uh, see some stats for your account and make it better. That's awesome. And then what website would they go to to find that? Uh, hypeauditor.com. Okay, hypeauditor.com. All right, we'll post that in the show notes too. So thank you so much for stopping over, and I can't wait to check it out myself. So Thank you very much. Thank yep, you. Take care. All right, I'm here live with Rob Freund at the IMCX show, and uh, he's going to help us understand what's happening in the legal space today. So... Um, you know what's interesting is we've been in digital marketing for a while, and just when we think we know what we're supposed to be doing, uh, all of a sudden it's like we'll get a notice like, oh, you use this photo illegally and things like that. Sure. Um, what are you seeing out there? So FTC compliance is a big thing to pay attention to no matter where you are in the market. If you're a brand or an agency or an influencer or a web designer everybody is potentially on the hook for FTC violations. And 
the issue that you just identified is that the FTC sort of changes their focus on what they care about and what the guidelines are as the technology and the platforms change. So somebody on your team needs to be paying attention and up to date on what the FTC guidelines are and what they're paying attention to so that you can be sure that your brand's not stepping in it. Um, and so it's helpful to have an attorney on your team or at least somebody paying attention to the FTC's updates, which they put on their website to see what areas is the FTC caring about, which correlates to what areas your competitors might care about if they find you breaking the law also to reduce, reduce the chance that you might be liable for some kind of advertising violation. Yeah, that's interesting. I have a, I have a personal question because we had a, a recent, uh, obviously we do filming, and so we had a recent live event that included bands that do cover music. Mm -hmm. So then we're like, you know, they said, you know, when we post it, a lot of times it gets taken back down. Sure. So that still seems like that's been happening for a while, but it also seems like it's changing. What do you know about that space? So that gets into copyright issues a little bit. Uh, in terms of how that's evolved in the social media space, a lot of people are concerned with pages that, that are like a meme repost page where they're just clearly taking somebody else's content right. and just reposting it over and over again. A lot of people don't realize that any content that somebody else has created, if you're reposting it, even if you're not making money off of it, technically you're infringing on somebody's uh -huh. copyright. And if that becomes a problem, it has to do with whether they actually registered the copyright and if you can show some damage associated with it. But if you are taking content that someone else created it and sharing it online, you need to be careful about who the owner is and what's at stake and at least think through what are the consequences of what I'm doing? Do I have a license for this and that sort of thing? So right. it, social media just makes it easier for people to accidentally get in trouble in the copyright space. Yeah, and the problem is is because people Google everything, and so they'll just click on images, and they don't even pay attention. What I did notice, though, is Google has said, uh, careful, there might be some copyright issues with this. So at least they're starting to detect and help guide folks. I don't know how reliable it is. But. Right. I think they realize that it's so easy to use Google Images and just download directly from it that they wanted to at least put it out there that people should be paying attention to it. And that I'm sure it was one of Google's lawyers who said, we need to put this visibly so that we don't, because I'm sure they were involved every single time somebody got sued. Well, I relied on Google's image search and I didn't know. So that's probably a CYA thing from Google's legal team, but it's it's important to at least people will pay attention. You know, there's a rule here, and I should figure out what it is. So, in your mind, what are the uh, do you do you know like what what are the platforms that are the most strict and the ones that are uh, least strict? Uh, strict in terms of well, like it seems like um, with Facebook, more things get um, get uh, vetted more than YouTube. Right. I, I can't speak specifically to who's on the cutting edge of, of how their algorithms check for things. I do know that Facebook ads, if you're going to run an ad on Facebook and therefore Instagram, they are getting much more careful about checking for potential copyright issues. Or for, other brand logos and things right, like that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I noticed they, that. They're getting much more sophisticated in what their software can detect in terms of potentially infringing content. So... I don't, I, I'm not sure it would be fair to say that they're at the top of it, but it's obvious that they're paying very close attention to it and trying to get it as good as it can be. Got it. Uh, what are some other things you think people should know? Um, I think just the most important thing is compliance because if you, if you take the little bit of energy at the outset to make sure you're doing it the right way, it'll save you a lot of money in the long run. And a corollary to that is in your contracts, if you're a brand or an influencer or an agency, any agreement you have with one of those other entities when you're doing business, have a lawyer at least look over the contract to bless it before you get it out there because it's so easy to want to rush to get into a deal and just to have the money coming in. But if you just slow down and take the time and maybe just a little bit of money on the outset, you can have the peace of mind and it will pay for itself in the litigation you don't get into. Wow. <laughs> so if I'm, uh, if I'm a brand and I'm paying an influencer cause we're at an influencer conference, uh, and the influencer, um, gets in trouble for a piece of content. Is the brand also in trouble? It's possible. And that's exactly why you need to look at 
the contract you have with your influencer. Your best bet is to have some kind of clause in there that explains here are the guidelines you need to comply with. If you don't comply with them, it's a breach of this. And that won't necessarily completely absolve you of liability, but at least you can go back and say, look, we had this policy in here and they knew about it when they signed it. And so there are things you can build into your contracts to protect you from that kind of situation. All right. What's the craziest thing you ever saw? (laughs) (laughs) The craziest thing I ever saw. Um, Well, this wasn't a case that I was involved in personally, but it's also something that I think not that many people know about. There's a law in California, if you are an if you are a talent agent, which would include representing Instagram influencers, and you're not licensed with the state of California, then uh, down the road, the talent that you're representing can ask for all of the commissions paid back to them for the entire relationship that you ever had. So for example, there was an agent that was representing Jefferson Airplane and the band years after this relationship decided, uh, oh yeah, you don't have your agency license, so we're gonna get that $12 million in commissions back, and that's exactly what happened. Oh my gosh. And it's it's a unique California statute that's been challenged for, because obviously the industry is like, this is so harsh, wow. how can this be? But it, it's been upheld, and so if you are acting as an agency, look into getting your license. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. All right. Well, I want to thank you again for spending some time with us. And yeah, uh, we learned a lot. And where can people find you? Uh, RobertFroynLaw.com. Okay. That's also my Instagram handle. So, uh, yeah, happy to speak with anybody who wants to. All right. Thanks we'll for put that me. in the show notes, too. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'm here live with uh, Shane Barker, my personal content king. So uh, <laughs> I always appreciate. And I was uh, telling him yesterday, I said, I probably quote him at least twice in every workshop or talk. And uh, I didn't realize you had such a big team, but that team was started by you. So how did you get started and what inspired you to just be a content-driven person? Yeah, you know, started probably about seven, eight years ago when we started the blog. Um, I was heavily invested in writing content, putting content out there. I kind of felt like this was a pivotal point of like putting education out there and educating people on how to do things, whether it's influencer marketing, SEO, anything like that. And I kind of felt like what I was learning that I could share with people and that people could learn from it. So it was, we really started on, started off early on wanting to educate people. And, you know, I figured at the end of the day, it's like, hey, if I educate people enough and they feel like, hey, I give them enough information that they can go do it, that's awesome. Um, but if I give them just enough information, like, well, we don't have time for this and who are they going to go to for the services? Probably me, right? Because I've already given them a a good framework and kind of showed them how we do things, the good things and the bad things, things that have worked, things that haven't worked. Um, And we kind of took it from there. And then after that, it's just kind of catapulted. I mean, now the website is absolutely crazy. We write for 120 different websites. I, know, and, I, rem- I heard yeah. you say that yeah, yesterday. Yeah, we've like, got wow. a good little foundation now. So it's been awesome, but it's been, it's a, it took a long time. I, I'll never forget when I first started writing my blog and then started hiring writers. My wife's like, so what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm paying people to write my blog. And she's like, well, has it gotten any, any business? And I go, no. And she goes, God, that's, a, how, that's a great it, investment. Isn't it funny how wives always ask? I know question, she, and when I'm taking, when she takes the card, I didn't say anything. I was like, Hey, where are you going? Or how much are you going to spend? Um, we always had that conversation afterwards, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. It was definitely an early investment early on. And we just didn't know how it was going to fare. I knew that it, I, I had a feeling it was going to do well. And now, I mean, really the way that we get almost all of our leads, other than me speaking at events and doing uh, workshops and stuff is going to be from our inbound marketing from content. Wow. And so, um, so how much, uh, cause you do so much heavy written content. Uh, what is your, what is your weighted average on video versus writing or how do you work that in? Yeah, we do some video, you know, it's always been one of those things that, you know, we figured out like, where do we want to spend our time? I mean, video is obviously the future in the sense of YouTube and all that. We've uh, dabbled a little bit in it. Um, we jumped into uh, my podcast is, is actually starting June 15th. So people should sign up. We're doing giveaway Amazon gift cards. But the reason I'm saying that is that we jumped into podcasts cause I really enjoy the live feature of, yeah. you know, being able to chat with people and have the conversations. Um, Video is just, it's, I mean, I love it, but it's just another level. I mean, like you guys have an awesome crew in here. You got an awesome camera and all the fun stuff. Um, we have that. We just, it's just between my traveling and everything else. I just, it hasn't something that we've fully jumped into the way that we should have. You know I mean? For me, it's like, I don't want to go into something half-assed. I'd like to, if we're going to yeah. do it, we're going to do it all in. So um, it's just something that's been kind of one of those things that we just haven't fully done the way we'd like to, but you know, maybe one day. All right. So what are you seeing uh, changing with content? Cause it's funny. Uh, it's almost like the same things you and I talk about 
have been the same things for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? It's like keywords, algorithms, things like that. And everybody talks about the algorithms changing all the time. But honestly, I don't see a huge net difference. As long as you put out consistent, good content and you play the keyword game, is there anything else you need to know? No, I mean, from an SEO perspective, it really is keywords. It's obviously links as well, right? Being able to okay, have you know right. other people mention you, so whether that's PR press or whether that's going to be um, the writing. When I write for other websites, obviously, I get a good amount of traffic from that, and so we've been able to build up that network. Um, SEO has changed a little bit, and algorithms and all that kind of fun stuff, but if you do good SEO, and if you're just you know making sure that, once again, you stick with good keywords, and you're putting out phenomenal content, you're not going to have any problems there. I mean, you yeah. just really won't. Algorithms come around and people are worried about algorithms. People that are worried about an algorithm are usually the people that are kind of running that line of maybe not putting out great content or they're putting in too many backlinks or they're um, have backlinks from bad websites. I mean, there's a lot of variables there. Um, but if you're doing good, clean SEO, you're really not going to have any issues. You really shouldn't be affected by any algorithms. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Any, um, any uh, quick predictions that you see in the outlook in the next few years in terms of things changing or in different directions? Yeah. I mean, I think um, in the next few years that I'm going to get bigger. <laughs> I mean, huge people. That's that's the, the prediction. Big prediction. Yeah. I mean, that's that's we know that's going to happen, but we're hoping anyways. Um, no, I think prediction-wise, all joking aside, um, marketing, I mean, influencer marketing is real interesting, obviously, because the space is evolving and I think there's a lot of really cool things are happening there. Um, we've been working on the education side. Obviously, I teach a class at UCLA on influencer marketing. Um, really, I think that's going to be real interesting because the space is going to, I think there's a lot of interesting things that are going to happen as we've seen. Um, but the foundation of it, I think, will be, will stay the same, but I think it's going to be, they're going to start niching down into different markets and the influencer space is going to be, I think it's going to fragment a little bit in a good way, um, just so it becomes more specific. And I think there's going to be agencies that are going to be picking up influencers like they do, like they would do a, you know, a movie star or a TV star and actually right. have agencies that rep one person and say, hey, listen, I'm a, you know, a travel agency and we have these 15 people that are exclusive to us, um, which can be good and can be bad, just depends on, on how you look at that. Um, but I think in the marketing space is going to continue to evolve right and we're always going to have changes and stuff which i think is why i enjoy the space because things are always there's always new stuff that happens but if you stick with the core of once again good content good seo putting out content and distribution i think things are going to be good yeah that's cool i um one last thing so i'm always big on the power of being authentic authenticity be who you are right so uh so in that sense i noticed that a lot of people lately have been doing what they call pods, you know, where people like take collective groups of people and they uh, intentionally are commenting and, and, and working on each other's things. And some of it almost feels forced, mm -hmm. like it's not authentic. What's yeah. your viewpoint on that? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is with pods, I mean, obviously it's people are starting a network. I, just, I guess it just depends on what you're starting the pod for. Like, I don't see an issue with starting a pod and saying, hey, we're all putting out great content and this is where we can share our content. And then if you want to comment on it or like it or do something, but less of like, hey, let's find 100 people and every time... I post something that you go and like it and you add an emoji. Like to me, that's not really right. right. The idea is, is like, I just want to put out good content and I want to share it with you. And then if you want to do something with it, that's awesome. Yeah. But I think if you're starting something to drive that traffic, in other words, you're kind of forcing people like, Hey, um, if you do this for me, I'll do this for yeah, you. Right. It just, it becomes unauthentic, right? I mean, it Thank becomes you. a situation that you don't want to do. Um, once again, not a problem with distribution. I mean, we do a lot of distribution with, you know, different groups and that we belong to on whether it be Slack or Facebook or all over the place. Um, and that's great for once again, driving traffic, driving the right types of traffic. But I think, you know, you'll, you can look at, I mean, one of the things that we talk about when influencer marketing is, you know, there's softwares out there and it's awesome, but you can look at some softwares only the first level of this, right? I mean, you have the second level of, Hey, people are you know, they have a great engagement rate and you go look at their profile and there's 50 emojis and there's no real comments and you have to assume that that's not real engagement, right? And so I think those are the kind of things you have to look for. And it's usually pretty easy, you know, even though people are worried about fake followers and all this kind of stuff, you can look at a profile, you should be able to eyeball a profile and go, you know what, that seems right or that doesn't seem yeah, right. right. And the cool part about it is influencer marketing is there's millions of influencers. So if you see somebody and it doesn't, we call the sniff test, or you look at it, you're like, well, I don't know if that it seems right. And then why go with them, right? Go right. with somebody else that you look at and you say, hey, this is some that I think resonates better with our brand. The engagement, the true engagement is there and it's somebody that we'd want to work with. Awesome. Well, Shane, thanks for your time. It's always a pleasure having you and uh, look forward to hearing more of your content. Absolutely, man. Thank right, you man. so much. Thanks Take for having me. Yeah, yeah. Air live with uh, Ash Kumra that, um, uh, and uh, from the IMCX show and uh, he's going to talk about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first off, happy to be here, man. I love your show. I mean, we connected on LinkedIn. Yes. So, And I came to you for a reason because I remembered you. So you're good at... 
you're, you, you're unforgettable with your face, you know, on social media. So I think it's part of my inner chi too. It is, it is. Um, no, but, uh, you know, we were talking offline about, uh, mindfulness and I think every busy professional, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a business builder, whether you're a creator has to apply more mindfulness. And for me, simple hacks are don't have your phone on when you're in a meeting. Um, is it, is it about being present? That's what I mean. The more, the less distractions, the easier you can become present. Right. Well, I know, I always get that confused, the mindfulness with like uh, just being in the moment. Yeah. Mindfulness is just connecting with your center. And when you're connected to your center, you're fully present. Right. That's cool. Yeah. So then, um, and um, I know that, uh, you know, for me, it's not necessarily always my phone, mm-hmm. but it could be the television. Television. Sports, right? Or multitasking in conversations where I'm talking to you and you might be trying to talk to him or, right. or you might be emailing and writing. Multitasking is like the biggest fallacy. You can't multitask. You got to be as much as possible focused on well, whatever. I thought only they... women could multitask. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've been doing this for quite some time. I have. I so have. how did you get into this? Because that's always fascinates me. Yeah. Um, like many people, uh, I love entrepreneurship and like many entrepreneurs, I experienced what you call burnout or I experienced issues where like I just wasn't performing at my optimal level. And instead of trying to find some quick short-term fix, like over caffeinating or just doing viceful things, I was like, wait a minute, I already know what mindfulness is. Why don't I apply it in the business world? And so I started to do simple things like take naps during the day. Like 20 minute nap. I know. I've heard, I've just heard recent uh, more studies on that. How amazing. Take a nap for like 10 to 20 minutes in your car, on a couch, on your desk. If you just want to lie back or just put your hands on the desk, it doesn't matter. You got to recharge. Our bodies are not 24 by seven. We need this recharge. It's like a solar battery. Just keeps charging. Right. Stuff like that. So the last few years I got really into it. And now I'm on a mission to help peak performer type, professional types tap into meditation, mindfulness, all these things so that not to necessarily just Zen out, but to perform better. Now, is it true that we're, you know, we're all wired differently? Mm-hmm. So what always fascinates me about this, it's like, oh, I'm a morning person or I'm a night owl, you know, things like that. So are there different things to consider uh, to maintain that level of consciousness or mindfulness? I, that's actually one of the best things you could have said so far in this conversation. I think everyone is, everyone has to find their natural routine. I'll give you an example. Ernest Hemingway, arguably one of the best writers of our time, was a writer at night. Tim Ferriss, you've heard of Tim Ferriss? Yeah, yeah. He has a schedule, I believe it's from like late night to like early morning kind of thing. I know some people that are that four to 5 a.m., like Tim Cook, the Disney CEO, they talk about how they get up. So I think the first thing you have to do is embrace whatever your comfort zone is. Now, of course, if you have a traditional nine to five, there might be variances, but for most of the performers who are kind of more controlled their time, man, don't necessarily focus on how much time, but focus on when is your energy most optimal. Is, is there a way to, to determine that? Because I think sometimes people are just feel like they're being drugged through the world or whatever. You know, like they're being, you know, people are just dragging them through. I'm getting dragged to work. You know, I'm getting dragged back home. It's like they, they almost feel like they're out of control. I've heard yeah. a lot of people speak to that. I think the first thing you should do, and earlier today we heard a great conversation by uh, Dan Fleischman about how you should manage your time. I would go a step further and say, how can you eliminate the things you don't have to spend a lot of time on? I like to jokingly say like, I love being lazy. I like to work smart, not work hard. So think about, do you need to get groceries? Could you do a delivery service? Could you do an Uber when you know there's gonna be a lot of traffic? These things just take, take away less of your energy and allows you to spend more time on self-realizing when is the right time to get stuff done. Right. Right. And so this whole thing of, uh, I'm sort of curious what you think of, uh, you know, there, there's, there seems to be a bigger focus issue in the world, especially with all the technology and devices. So um, you were starting to allude earlier in terms of some things that you can do, like turn off your device. Like for me, I found the setting on my phone that, ought, that shuts down from 11 p.m. till 5 p.m. Yeah. I get no notifications because I was that crazy CEO that would like, email people at three in the morning and stuff. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, I've, I've just got to stop, you know? And so I've got to just have that block time. And so now I put on some very deep sleep music, cool. you know, in the background and, and, you know, some uh, Spotify, it's just called deep sleep. It's really good. Um, and so I just put that on and from, you know, for, that's my sleep time. I wake up, I do a little meditation and it seems to charge me for the day, but that works for me. So then throughout the day, 
besides taking little power naps, what are other things we could do? Well, I love the phone thing. So I have my phone in the other room. So from a scientific standpoint, or if you follow certain thought leaders like Ariana Huffington of that kind of caliber, they have all said that phones have this EMF wave. And so it can actually affect the level of your sleep. I find it interesting that there's these sleep apps or products that you put on your wrist that are electronically on while you sleep. I kind of think it beats the purpose of, of, of the whole, uh, you know, being away from electronics while you're sleeping. So I'm a big advocate of putting the phone away. Okay. Honestly, it, it is. And, it, and you should be selfish about your sleep. If you're telling me that people are, need to connect with you, no, that's the, that is your preserve time. That's like your recharge time. That is you, whether you work out, whether you work hard. Because here's the thing, when you are the 100% best version of yourself, everyone in your life is going to get the best results. Right. And if you're not the best version of yourself, then such, which can happen if you don't sleep well, then you're actually hurting the people around you, whether it's your loved ones, whether it's your professional friends, whether it's this interview, like if you were not at your 100%, which you seem really 100%, this interview would, would not meet the standards of your audience needs. How can you meet the 100%? By doing things that are what might consider selfish, but for you that are self-growth, such as getting the best sleep. And if that means putting your phone away, put your phone away. Right. That's good stuff. So, uh, so you know, it's interesting that um, there's also routines of energy where um, are there things we can do together, like to support one another? Like I was always, you know, it was, you know, the simple things of like, when you go to dinner with friends, everybody put their phones down so you can sort of be with yeah. each other in the moment. So are there other things you can do with others where you get like this mutual agreement or support? Are there any things you've seen like that out there? I, I think um, it's something I've been embracing, you know, after that three-year battle, I not battle, but three-year experience I dealt with is be vulnerable. So I'll be very honest with you. I have done a good job building my personal brand, but I have to admit being at this event, I'm now realizing I got to razor sharp my focus, in particular, my love for meditation and peak performance. And so I'm being vulnerable with people and I'm like talking, for instance, I just talked to Ryan Folland here, who's one of the presenters. It's an amazing uh, influencer, understands personal branding. And I'm talking to people like you and I'm basically saying, I want to really dominate the meditation business world convergence because I want to help as many people as possible. How do I do it? I know how to build a personal brand, but how I go focus. That vulnerability makes us more as friends, less of professional, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? It's like, I'm treating you like a friend or a family member. And so that's why vulnerability is so important now in conversations. Well, and I say it's, uh, it's being more human. Yes. It's more human too. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I just wrote a book on that. So it's like uh, fresh in my mind. Um, so what about you? So how do people find you? And if they want to learn more about this? Yeah. Um, first off, uh, thank you again. Um, my social, it's pretty much, and I love that Dan Fleischman said this earlier, but my same name across all my platforms. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, A-S-H, and then my last name is K-U-M-R-A. Whichever platform you connect with, I'm pretty active on those four. Um, yeah, and if you want to learn more about what I'm doing with my company, it's called Peak Meditation, P-E-A-K, and the word meditation. So yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Well, thanks for helping all of us out here, and thanks, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for doing what you do. All right, thank you. All right, I'm here at uh, IMCX with Matt, my new entertainment partner in the world. How you doing, man? Amazing, man. What a, what a conference we got going on here in LA. I know. What, what are you up to, man? You're up to a lot of things. Oh, uh, thank you for asking. Right? <laughs> so uh, lately, we're definitely honing in on, the, on the, um, the apex, which is the entertainment industry and the influence industry coming together with technology and actually blockchain. So how does all that come together? Uh, I'll say this, there are models right now, and I'm not speaking about Instagram models, I'm speaking about, let's say mathematical or like business uh, formula models that incentivize every step of the way to the influencer, every single step of the way, and track their impact. Literally like the butterfly effect. So the yes. blockchain can come along with one influencer and track the touches potentially down the line to make sure they're compensated for their uh, for all the uh, energy that they brought to whatever it was that they were promoting. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's one piece. Well, that's what shocked us when we got into the influencer space and developing influencers. We had so many industries. I mean, we had, honestly, we had banking, finance, and mm. we, we thought it was like entertainment, travel, fitness, you know, all the traditional okay. stuff. 
but man, it is like the business world is into it now, and right. now it's become just this explosive thing. That's right. So, Dean, right? Yep. Mr. Dean. So, we were talking just before we jumped here on the camera about some of my clients, and they want more Instagram eyeballs, likes, ads, and I don't even know where the saturation point comes in terms of ads because we hit ads and we hit the same demographic over and over again. But the truth is uh, the market is there, right? And so we're here trying to just disrupt and take advantage, take advantage of a massive change. Well, and I think that's the interesting part about disrupting is that with influencer marketing, it's about non-disruptive disruption. What I mean mm -hmm. by that, it's like once, once that influencer has a good formula of engagement, rolling, and things like that, they become their own disruptor. Oh, that's right? true. That's true. So it's really wild how all of a sudden there's that tipping point, and now they go from nano to micro, and they start the climb. That tipping point is interesting. I was discussing that with Tanner, actually, uh, someone I'm here with today. That tipping point is something that groups can accomplish, really, by working together. And if they can get organized, they can accomplish that tipping point far faster, potentially, than they could, depending on what kind of content and what kind of market they're, right. they're targeting. But, um, yeah, that tipping point is the Yeah, and we have, a, we have a methodology. I just released a book on Amazon about this mm. called Social Teaming. So it's a book called First. It's about being first in your network. And, uh, and you don't do it alone. <laughs> yeah, you don't do it alone. That's right. right. Also, niche networks, when niches are, are made, when a, when a true niche is made, kind of like what we're doing with blockchain, and when they are able to communicate well, that's yes. when great wealth can be made. In a small niche, when there's a hyperactive communication, great wealth can be made. And it goes to any circle, really, but in crypto, for sure. Let me ask you this critical question. Is mm. it niche or niche? Oh my! Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's go with niche. Yeah, let's go with niche. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds nice and soft. Well, listen, um, man. Yeah. So, well, you have a big event coming up, don't you? Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. Uh, Entertainment Summit is basically the again kind of like the apex of what's going on with social engineering and influencing and traditional media like film, and then rolling in some of the blockchain and the rights management and distribution, how everybody gets paid. So coming up in September, believing September 7th is our date for this in Los Angeles. With Social Jack. Yeah, come on, Social Jack. Please join us. Dean, will yes. you be there? Will you, you be there? You yes. It. Look at that. All right, we got a deal. Yeah. All right, man. We'll see you there. Thank you. I'm here live with uh, Tara from uh, Isia, and uh, we are at an influencer conference, and man, this industry has really exploded. I know. It's, there's influencers here. We got brands, agencies, platforms, everyone across the board. Um, the panels have been amazing. The yeah, speakers, so cool to like just meet everybody here. Um, I think, you know, it's taken off since, I mean, we started our company, Isia, we started in 2006. Uh, and since then, you know, I mean, that was before influencer marketing was like even coin, coined a term. And since then, um, I think everyone's just realizing like building these really strong relationships with influencers is so important. Um, influencers and content creators on right. both sides. And then being able to, you know, bring a brand's message and, you know, blow it up from there with like, they have all these followings, whether you're like, you know, thousand followers, 10,000, a million. Um, but they're able to really, you know, hone in on their audience, figure out what like resonates with them best. And, um, I think incentivize their followers to really like purchase products or like go to an event. Yeah. Um, I think that's like kind of why it's been blowing up so much. And, you know, these influencers, they have their followings. I mean, given there's no fake followers, <laughs> um, but people actually choose to go on the platform and follow and click. So I think that's where the value is in that. And I think brands and agencies are just really figuring it out right now. So yeah. the momentum is built uh, over time and yeah. So uh, Isaiah, you guys manage a couple of influencers, right? Like one or two or Wait, eight eight hundred thousand. What eight hundred thousand? That's got to be like I can't even fathom having that many. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, being around for thirteen years, uh, they've really perfected their practice and processes. Wow. So, um, we have eight hundred thousand influencers, and that's across pretty much every category imaginable across every platform. So, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. And then, like, any emerging social platforms, I mean, they're always popping up each day. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's really cool to be with a company that they're always innovating and adapting because, you know, the social landscape is always changing. Um, but, yeah, they have so many influencers. So brands are just like, hey, if you need to... We're also like a one-stop shop if we need an influencer for anything, like, sp specific right. target audience. 
Um, we have like access to their APIs for Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Google Analytics. So we can see all of their target demographics um, and really like hone in on who's gonna be the perfect recommendation wow. for our brands. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just so in awe of it as well. So it's really cool to be with them. We'll keep doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.